Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Saturday Night with Andy and Ganilla. Sounds like a TV show, doesn't it? <laughs> we are going to have a fun time together and uh, learn more about God's love, go deeper in his revelation, get more impartation from these two wonderful folks, and hear a bit of the news of what's been going on maybe too, maybe share a story or three, and then we'll be back here tomorrow morning with DJ Worship and woohoo, and uh, Andy and Ganilla will be speaking again. Yeah, we'll get Andy doing his, you know, Saturday night fever thing. Maybe not. <laughs> Anyways, tonight we're just going to dive straight in. Uh, we're a smaller gathering. We're going to keep it informal. So come on up, you guys, uh, whoever's doing what. And uh, we love having you back. Welcome. And uh, take it away. Thank you. Wow. That was a great introduction, Mr. Mark. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to raise this pulpit up. Do you mind if I do that? No, I want yeah, the height up a bit. Does it go any more? It's as high as it goes. There you go. Oh, there you go. That's good. How's that? It's perfect. So, um, you probably saw on the news... Um, I think it was, I'm not sure how long ago it was, it was probably about a week to 10 days ago, you heard on the news that Olivia Newton-John died. Do you guys see that on the news? Yeah. And you would, would do the, um, you know, the, the songs from the, the late 70s, Night Fever and Grease and Staying Alive and all those things, you know. And of course, in those days, it was the discos and Ganilla... I, Ganilla grew up going to discos and so did I in England and stuff, so it's quite funny. But I said, what's really interesting is that I was, the weekend directly prior to 9-11, um, I traveled, we were living in LA in those days, and I traveled from Los Angeles to Indianapolis. I was traveling through Memphis. And um, I got on the plane, and does, this does happen to us quite a bit because we travel a lot got an upgrade to first class. So from LA to Memphis, I was in first class. And I'm sitting there. The first class cabin is full, apart from the seat sitting next, next to me. So I'm thinking, I'm going to have a whole, you know, two seats. It's great, you know, and what have you. Well, anyhow, right at the end, just before the door closed, this lady ran in, ran into the first class cabin and sat down right next to me. And she was very plainly dressed, no makeup very kind of ordinary clothes and stuff. But about about my, about you know, you could tell she was probably about 10 years older than me. Well, and I could tell she had a bit of an Australian accent and stuff. So I'm, I'm chatting to her, and we got a four-hour flight together. And I just introduced myself. I said, what's your name? She said, well, I don't want to tell you my name. I was thinking, oh, really? And so right then I started to twig. She, 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 she's somebody... Um, that, that I definitely would have heard of. And she realized that I was English, of course, and um, she obviously heard that in, in my accent. And then I realized I'm, I'm sitting next to Olivia Newton-John. So I get to have a four-hour conversation, well, it wasn't four hours, it was on and off for four hours, conversation with Olivia Newton-John. And it was really enthralling just to be able to talk to her, and she was incredibly open. 
At that time, she'd just gone through one bout of treatment for breast cancer, and and obviously that that's what eventually took her um, a few days ago. But I thought it was really intriguing, and she said to me that other people, I sh I shared the gospel with her, and other people had actually shared Cliff Richard. You know Cliff Richard from England. He'd, he'd also actually shared the gospel with her as well. So it's just amazing the the situations we get into and people we get to meet, you never know what the Father is actually going to do. So that was a really, that I, I really enjoyed that. On another flight, I'm telling all my flight stories now, on another flight, we'd, we had been living and working in Ghana, West Africa, for 30 years. So I'd been there multiple times. When we were living there, we lived there for four years, and even around about that time, we were in and out of Ghana a lot an awful lot, sometimes three times a year. And when we were here living in California, it was a huge flight. It was a long, long flight. Well, there was one trip that we were on in 19, no, 2007. And it was just after Sweden, no, Ghana, had celebrated 50 years of independence from Britain. And we, again, we get upgraded. We get upgraded this time to business class, which is far better than first class. And on this flight going from Accra all the way jet to JFK, which is a 10-hour flight. Well, we get on the plane, and we, my, me and my friend are sat at the back of business class, and the guy sitting in front of us is Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder had been there doing a concert for their 50 years. So he sat there the whole flight with his head, big, huge headphones on, and his head was bobbing like that the whole flight. <laughs> So you know you get to, you know you get to meet some people. I've, I met some other people as well, which is really, you know, just ordinary people, and they love, they love chatting and stuff. So, wow. Well, I want to, I want to share tonight, and I guess it's more kind of a round table type of deal, isn't it? You know, the, obviously it's not a normal type meeting, a Sunday meeting, and so there's, there's been a few things percolating in my heart, and. Um, I was going to call you the guinea pigs, but I, I better, <laughs> I better not. Um, but I just want to, I just want to share, spend some time sharing these things with you. I remember last year, we were getting ready to come and do the A school that we did in November, and you guys were on the A school. You were on the A school. Who else was on the A school? Anybody else on the A school? Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the Sunday morning meeting, wasn't it? Something fun happened. What was that happened at that meeting? The yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want to encourage you, obviously, those of you that have done an A school, I would really encourage you to take time out to come and do a B school. And um, I'm sure you can have a chat with your pastor. He can, you know, he can arrange these things. <laughs> yeah, it's November. Yes, yeah, Thanksgiving. So th this is the f this is the first week in October. Um, and so if you if you have done an A school, I would really encourage you to take that week because what we have discovered, you know, in our walk with this revelation that God is our Father, that, that when 
when he reveals that he's father to our hearts, we discover that and it becomes, you know, a huge revelation. We, we see something and we understand something that we're not seen or understood before. And it, it, it really takes over, you know, the very core of our being and he becomes father to us. And what's happening in, in essence is becoming a father in our world when we've realized one of the terms that we use is that we've realized that we've been very orphaned and what as a consequence of meeting God as father it's like we're being pulled out drawn out of the kind of orphan heartedness that we've been so used to and we're being drawn into really knowing God as father which is a beautiful thing but it doesn't stop there it's, you know, th this is a, a revelation comes to us. We discover something and we discover that we're getting drawn into God. We're getting drawn into his ways, his perspective, and we get taken on this adventure, if you like, this journey. And in this journey, one of the things that we've realized and understand now is that we're, we're drawn into sonship. We discover that we're sons. So, so I use the word son more than what I use the word saved. I am saved, but saved is more like one of these legal terms that we use, isn't it? You know, I'm saved, we're going to heaven. Washed in the blood, I'm going to meet Jesus. It's my fire insurance sort of thing. Well, I, I don't use that so much, but I don't have a problem with the fact that I am saved. But rather, I think a more helpful term of where I'm at is the fact I'm a son. I'm a son. And I get to walk and live as a son. And I would rather use that word when I get in a conversation with someone. Um, you know, we, we use the word, you know, we're a Christian or we're a believer. I think it's really helpful for people when you say that we've discovered what it is to be a child of God, what it is to be a son of the Father and to walk as Jesus walked. And that really becomes, you know, it, it, I, I think what it, what it creates in people is this sense of, wow, what's, what, what does that mean? Walking like Jesus walked, you know, and the, seeing the miracles that he saw and the adventure and the, just the wonder in which he lived is, is absolutely incredible. And so I want to sp spend a little time talking about sonship tonight and I know I spoke a little bit about this last time but th there's a new perspective that the father has been really speaking into my heart about that I think is really relevant for a lot of what the father's doing throughout the body of Christ so I want to start please if you have a bible in Luke chapter 3 Luke chapter 3 and verse 22 Luke 3 and verse 22. It's going to be quite an exciting journey tonight. Father, I thank you. Luke 3, 22. So this is the baptism of Jesus. This is the baptism of Jesus. And as he's being baptized, he comes up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus. And the father says to him, 
You are my beloved preacher and you're going to save the world. No. He says, you're my beloved minister that will have a powerful, miraculous healing ministry that's going to heal thousands. No. Are you sure? You're going to be just incredibly anointed and people are going to be wowed by the anointing and the glory upon your life and people are going to be mightily impressed. No, he didn't use it at all. I like that. I, 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 really, I really like that. He didn't use those big words. <laughs> Rather, he says, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. Now, that was, that really, that, that statement itself was really provocative to the religious leaders and authorities because no one has ever stood on planet earth and said they were God's son. Implying not just the fact that they were a son, but they knew God as father. So that was very provocative. That was really, it was going to provoke their anger. It was going to provoke them. And of course, of course it did. And we see that unfolding as, of course, we read the stories in, in, in John's gospel. But what we start to discover for ourselves is that obviously God is speaking through Jesus. And Jesus is representing and revealing the Father. And if you like, Jesus is the language of the Father. Jesus is the language of the Father. And what do I mean by that? Because he, he says to Philip, Philip says, well, show us the Father. And Jesus says to Philip, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm a full representation, exact representation of who the Father is. If you look at me and see me and understand me and hear my heart, see and watch what I'm involved in, what I'm doing, you'll start to as well encounter my Father and see my Father. And so what starts to unfold for us when we read the gospel stories is that God is speaking through the Son. That's the medium in which he's using. He's using the Son. He's using Jesus. The words he speaks, the things that he does, he demonstrates his glory, his presence. He demonstrates who the Father is by what he does. He represents the Father. He reveals the Father through who he is. Jesus is the language of God. So we, 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 we draw from that a conclusion. And the conclusion that we draw is this, is that God speaks through the Son. He uses the Son as the medium to actually speak. Now, I want to take you on this, this little journey because when the book of Hebrews was written... The book of Hebrews was written to try and give understanding to, you know, the Jews, the Hebrews, on this revelation of Jesus. You know, the relevance and the place that Jesus has in terms of what we proclaim, what God says, etc., etc. 
And so I want us to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Can we go there? Hebrews chapter 1. And I want us to read the first um, three verses. God at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Now that's important for us. That those of you that know your history in the Bible, that we a whole array of people. Um, obviously we have the patriarchs, then we have Moses, then we have the prophets, priests and kings. And of course we've got a whole litany of, of major prophets and then minor prophets. And all these people spoke the word of God. What was on the very heart of God, what God wanted to speak. Okay? At various times, and um, sorry, spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, who him, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So now there's a shift now. It's going from the prophets, the patriarchs, the kings, the priests. But now, in these days, he's spoken through the Son. I want to read to you the Passion translation of this particular passage. I love the Passion. You guys read the Passion? It's got a lot of passion to it. Ganilla's got my Passion translation over there. No, I've got it here already. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. Are you with me? Some of you might have it. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at the time, building one truth upon another. But to us, living in these days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son. In the language of a son. The appointed heir of everything, for through him God created the panorama of all things at all times. So here, when this, this guy, what he's done with the Prussian translation, he's really looked at the language, the original text, and he's, he's trying to put down what, you know, what it literally says there in language that we can really understand. But what's also very important about what he says is this, is that what the writer is saying is that God speaks in Son. For Jesus is the language of God. The sonship of Jesus is a language of of. Now, sorry, the sonship of Jesus is a language he now uses to speak to us. Now, when I started to see this, and this has been really percolated in my heart for a long time, I started to see something that the Father is really doing in our lives. In this revelation of, of the Father that's really breaking in to the very core of our being, we are, we are comprehending what it is to know him as Father, but as well we're comprehending what sonship really is. We are comprehending what it is to be a son. 
In other words, my identity as a Christian is not born out of or birthed in what I do, but is born and birthed out of the very fact that I have a relationship with God as Father. That's the very basis that I am a son. But in that context as well, as I started to read this and to look into this, I started to understand something that when God speaks through me, and when God speaks through us, he's speaking through the language of son. Now let me explain that. That when our hearts know God as father, when our hearts have seen that and understand that and have experienced that, and we've come to this place of understanding what sonship is, then there actually is an authority upon our lives that wasn't there before. Because now we're speaking the language of son. The son. Wow. Wow. And that's what the writer of the Hebrews saw. The writer of the Hebrews saw this. And the writer of the Hebrews very clearly had a very clear perspective about what had gone before, how God has spoken, the history of Israel, the prophets, etc., etc. But as well, the revealing of, of Jesus, the coming of Jesus. But then from the time of Jesus, even to that particular point where he's actually writing this letter, is script in this letter that God now is speaking through the language of a son. So when I come to speak to you, when your dear friend Mark stands up in front and speaks to you, he's communicating in the language of a son. The language of a son. Now there's a shift taking place. There's a shift that's been taking place that's been happening all around the world. And the shift is this. The shift is that our hearts are moving from this place of understanding that our identity is in the Father and it's moved from the place where we're just doing ministry because we're servants. There's a shift from servant-hearted Christianity to sonship hardy Christianity now it's not that we don't serve of course we serve but our identity is never founded in what we do rather our identity is in the very fact that we know God as our father wow he's our father and so you can, you can hear people, you know, I've been in many situations when I, I was in this, um, in, I was in Ghana on one occasion and I was staying at this one particular Airbnb in the city of, of, of Accra, the capital, and one Saturday morning I'm getting up and that particular occasion I was waiting for a Uber to come and pick me up. 
and um, it's really difficult, you know, getting instructions of where you are. You know, street address addresses in Africa are not the same as street addresses here in the United States. So, and even them having a good GPS on their phone, because when you order an Uber, you're, you, you tell Uber, this is where I am. And Uber makes some sort of point on their GPS system and sends that to the driver. And a lot of times they don't get the exact point. We, we had that in New York, um, and we've had it at other places as well. We had that at, um, even at our own house a, a few weeks ago when we were about to travel. So I'm waiting for an Uber, and as I'm out on the street, I see these two guys, and I said, I know what those guys are doing. They're evangelizing. Now, I, I didn't want to attract myself to them anyway, but they came up to me, and they wanted to start testifying to me about Jesus. I thought, well, okay, I'm, I'm in for a penny, in for a pound. It'd be interesting to see what they say. And so they start, to, they start to talk to me, start asking me questions, and they start to kind of do the, um, a little bit of the preaching thing, you know, kind of in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Have you ever had it when someone just starts to preach to you? And, of course, I, was, I started to throw a few things in there, and he suddenly realized, ah, I, I think you are a, a preacher, aren't you? I said, I am, yeah, but I was just seeing how far I could take you without you realizing it. But I realized... I realize there's times when we communicate and there's a perspective in which we communicate when, when, when we're just communicating out of our own orphan self instead of out of the revelation and the sonship that the Father has actually put within our hearts. And what I've noticed, just like Jesus, that when we're when we're communicating, when the Son is being revealed, when the Son is speaking through us, that there's an authority upon our words that isn't there at other times. Just like Jesus going into the synagogues, when he went into the synagogues, one of the things they said about Jesus was that this man has authority. It was the authority that initially got their attention. And once they had, once authority was there and people recognized that, often a demon would manifest and they were blown away by the fact that Jesus just spoke to this demon and the demon would leave. Because here, this is the Son of God being made manifest. This is God on earth in flesh being made manifest. Well, the Father does the same thing in our lives as well. Exactly the same thing in our lives as well. For God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son. Wow. Wow. Now, what that, what that does to me, when I hear that, read that, and I grasp that, what that does in my heart is that, that doesn't push me to strive to try and do that, but that pushes me into the Father. That motivates me 
to move in the direction of the Father, to know the Father, to embrace the Father, because I know and understand that as I embrace and know the Father, the, the, the anointing, the reality of sonship will be real in my heart. And so it says that in Galatians. In Galatians, this is a verse that we spend a lot of time on, on our A schools. In Galatians five, um, 4, verse 6 it says and because you are sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying out Abba Father you see it is the spirit of God that reveals the father it's the spirit of God that shows to us the father but what's happened in that process, is that God has come to our hearts. You see, when I'm speaking, I'm speaking to Laura right now. Um, we're all looking forward to seeing young Caleb. Caleb's the name, eh? Yep. That was very good, eh? You see, so, so when I want to speak to Laura what, what God is giving me, it's not just a case of God up there, I'm the mouthpiece. Rather, it's the very fact that God is here and he's speaking through me here in the language of son that is residing in my heart. So it's not just that I am a medium, if you like, or a messenger or a servant or a postman or a mailman that has come to give Laura a message. Rather, what is, what is taking hold of my heart who I am, my, my vocal cords, my mouth, is the very Son, and the Son is speaking through me. Wow. Wow. You see, when, we, when we've, in Father Heart Ministries, I've just been with um, a week ago, we got back last Saturday, we've been on the road for five weeks. In fact, we've done three we kind of go on tours now. We, we, we've never been on tours before. There we go. So we went on one tour in January. We went to England, parked our bags in England, went to Africa, came back from Africa, went to Norway and Sweden, came back. Then I went to Brazil, came back to England. Then we went to Sweden again then, didn't we? Did we go to Sweden again? No, I went to Norway. We went to Norway. Then came back to England and married our daughter, then came back to America. Then we had an A school in Charleston, and we were doing just home for a few weeks rest. And then we went on another tour. The second tour started around the 20th of April. This time we went west. We went and did a school in California, and then traveled from California to England, did an event in England. Then went to see my dad, spent a whole 10 days with my dad in Eastbourne, and then went to Sweden, did a, a school in Sweden, in, in Upplands Vestby, Utenfair, Stockholm. So in where they speak nice posh, Stockholmska. They call it Stockholmska. <laughs> That's what they say in Skåne. You know, when they talk to Ganilla, they asked her to speak English in Stockholm. No, it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> they think she's a farmer from the south. In Sweden. 
So we did that school, then we came back, and I went off and did an event in Bangladesh. And after Bangladesh, we, a couple, a few more days in England, then came back to America. And then we were just at home, that was around um, Independence Day. Then we went off on another five-week trip. But this time, we just stayed in North America. We went from Charleston to South Dakota to Waco, I call it Waco, Texas, Waco, Texas. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then went off to Malibu in California, which is beautiful. Oh, wow. Malibu, California. Did an A school in Malibu. Then went to Calgary, Alberta. Went to the Canadian Rockies. Absolutely magnificent. And so we only got back last Saturday, so all week. We've been lying on the couch and resting and just getting ready for th these couple of days here with Mark and Jane. Well, the Mark part. Jane's still there, but not physically, you understand. So I'm with, I'm with James Jordan, who's the founder of Father Heart Ministries. And we were talking about anointing when we're speaking. When we're preaching, the preaching anointing. And one, th one perspective that is very common with, with the, with, when we talk about this is that we preach something or share something, we invite people forward, and then there's going to be some sort of demonstration of power, impartation, the Holy Spirit's going to be released at the end. But for the first time in my life, five years ago, James Jordan said to me that when a preacher opens up his heart and is vulnerable, he will learn to flow in the anointing and the anointing doesn't so much come down, rather the anointing comes out from the preacher. The preacher opens his heart and as the preacher opens his heart, so the anointing comes into the room. Wow. Now, I'd, I'd never seen that or understood that before until about five years ago. And I've been preaching for, you know, or, you know, it's getting close to 40 years, which I know I don't look that old, but that's, that's really the, <laughs> the reality of the situation. But I, I realize that in this, in, the, in this, that, that as we, as you and I open our hearts, as we get vulnerable with people, and get real with people in our day-to-day -day lives when it comes to personal witnessing or evangelism, and we're ready to be vulnerable and real about who we are, our heart opens, and we reveal the Son. The Son is revealed through us. Not out of our trying or our effort, but very simply that anointing is coming in in the place of vulnerability. And it, there it is again, that God is speaking through the language of Son. The Son is being revealed through our lives as we get to talk to people, as we get to share with people, and as we get to minister to people. And people say, well, you know, that's, that's okay for you, you're a preacher. But I believe, you know, it, for all of us in all our daily lives, these little opportunities that we get and all of a sudden we find ourselves wanting to get really real with people. And when we start getting real with people and vulnerable with people, all of a sudden we discover our heart opening and the flow and the movement 
of the Holy Spirit is coming out of our hearts. And all of a sudden you start to see people's eyes glazing up and you realize that it's the sun being revealed through us. It's not you must come to Jesus otherwise you're going to burn in hell. Rather what's happening is as their heart is encountering love, they are seeing and experiencing love. Well, you see, love attracts people. We respond to love. None of us respond to judgment. Judgment scares people. Makes people afraid, anxious, nervous. But people respond to love. And so God now speaks openly in the language of a son. Now, let's look at Jesus. Let's look at what happened in Jesus' life. This is John chapter 5. Let's turn to John chapter 5. This is a conversation that Jesus is having with the Jews. John chapter 5 and verse 18. And I've, I'm going to start reading in the... Um, I'm going to start reading in the um, New King James to start with. We start in the, the New King Jimmy and then we end up in the Passion. That we, we, we keeping a, feet in, a foot in both camp, camps. Therefore the Jews saw all the more to kill him. Because he not only broke the Sabbath... But he also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. That was the thing that provoked him. He's revealed as the son. What provoked them, he called God father. And they realized that, how in the world could he do this? This is blasphemous. But then Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, the son can do nothing of himself. How does that, what is, what is that? You know, when, when, when Jesus says that, when you, when you look at all the miracles that Jesus did, every single miracle that we read about in the Gospels, that's only a small percentage of the things that Jesus did. Because if you read at the end of John's Gospel, it says you, you haven't got enough books to, to actually write all these things in. So all that we have is a little picture of it, a little kind of snippet, a little preview, an excerpt. This is what we have. These guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the disciples, the women that were around Jesus, they saw, they were watching it all the time. And so in the midst of all those miracles, in the midst of all those signs and wonders and healings and everything else, Jesus says openly, he says this. He says, the son can do nothing of himself. Wow. What, I'm going to say, when you read that, or when you look at that or see that, what, what kind of notion does that inspire within your heart? What does that do on the inside? Because every single, every single miracle, 
every single demonstration of power, we're saying, well, that's what Jesus did. And now Jesus is saying, you know, I can't do nothing. I cannot do nothing. But what Jesus goes on to say, but what he sees the Father do, and whether he does, whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Wow. So what Jesus is doing here, he's trying to bring this group who he's communicating to into this concept that he really has a relationship with the Father. And that everything that's happening, every single miracle, every single demonstration of power that's happening is happening as a consequence of what the Father is showing the Son. Whatever the Father is showing the Son. And the Son is doing it. The Son is doing that. There's a reliance, there's a dependency in that relationship, and the Father is doing it. And so James Jordan said this just two weeks ago, that Jesus didn't do any miracles. They were just the miracles that the Father was doing, and Jesus was working with the Father, and all the miracles manifest. They originated in the heart of the Father. The miracles originated in the very heart of the Father. But because Jesus was the Son, they manifest. They become real. Can you pass my water, Ganilla? Thanks, sweetie. So because... Jesus is walking with the Father. He's revealed as the Son. These miracles happen. God is speaking through Son. Now I want us to turn our Bibles all the way back to the book of Genesis. Genesis where it all began. Genesis chapter 26. And we're going to look at an intriguing story in Genesis 26 in relation to this. This is a story of Isaac. Not Jacob, not Abraham, but Isaac. Isaac was the middle one. He was the son of Abraham, the father of Jacob. And when we read Genesis, we discover that both Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these guys were doing a lot of touring as well. They did a lot of traveling around. But they traveled around with camels and a huge congregation of family members. Okay? All that we have is a case with 50 pounds worth of clothes in it. <clears throat> so this is chapter 26 and verse 17. Now Isaac departed from there and pitched the tent in the valley of Gerea and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. So Isaac goes back into a, a territory, an area where Abraham had been, 
he knew that there was water in these places and he unstops these wells so water starts to flow again because the Philistines had stopped them up. He unstops these wells. And then we, then we have a little, um, that's kind of a general perspective of the story. Then in verse 19, we have a little detail that, start, that comes in here that's really relevant to this idea of being and walking as a son. Also, in verse 19, also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerea quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Isaac because they quarreled with him. Now, I want us to see something here that's not at first sight obvious. But what's very clear when we read the text is it says, and Isaac's servants. So the servants went off, okay, in the valley, found a well of running water there, but the herdsmen of Gerea quarreled over it. Okay, they eventually got it open, but they quarreled over it. I looked at that and I'm thinking, this is like what we would call or some people would call kind of spiritual warfare. Someone is contending with us. Someone's against us. Someone's pushing back against the plan of what we want to see accomplished. There's an argument going on. There's, there's quarreling happening. Something's happening here. There's a contention happening because we want to see something opened. And many, 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 many hundreds of times, I, I was in YWAM for many, many years, from 1985 to 1990, 90, end of 1997. Many, many situations, even after that, many, many times, where, where I know the Father, God, has led me somewhere, has directed me somewhere, he's showing me something, but in getting there, there's a battle going on. There's a fight going on. There's a quarrel going on. And going into all the, all the, you know, the, the prayer closets, the prayer techniques, praying, 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 and it's like you've got to fight, 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 and eventually we might get some sort of a result or some sort of breakthrough or victory. I've had that. Had that many, 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 many times. Okay? Then, in verse 21, then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also, but he called its name Sitna. So they go to another place, trying to open another well, they've got another argument going on, another quarrel happening, because they're trying to get another well opened. What I've realized and what I've come to understand, and I've, I'm, I'm pretty hard-headed, it's taken a really, really long time, is because the Father is leading us to something, because the Father is calling us to something, 
it doesn't mean to say that we've got to go immediately and do what the Father says. Timing as we walk with the Father is a crucial factor when we're walking with God. So there's been many times when I've had a vision for something, a heart for something, a desire to do something, and I've stepped right in there. And more often than not, I've walked right into a battle, and that battle has actually been unnecessary. And often that battle has been as a consequence that I'm not walking in the timing that the Father has actually had for me. Not only that, not only that, many, many times when I've gone into places, gone into nations, we've traveled into many, many nations, I've realized that I've traveled into nations with a servant perspective instead of the perspective of a son. Traveling, I'm just going to serve, serve, serve. I'm a servant. I'm going to open this well. What, what happens here, the quarreling that happens here has all happened in all our lives as we've tried to force something that God wasn't on at that particular time. Verse 22. Now, in verse 19, it says, Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley. In verse 22, it says, And he, he being Isaac, that's who the he is making reference to, because this passage is about Isaac and his herdsmen. And he moved from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it. So he called the name Rehoboth because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. What is the difference? The difference is this. In verse 22, the he is the son. He is the son of Abraham. This is a type, an image, and picture of Jesus. This is like Jesus now speaking as a son, as the son, as son through us stepping in to a situation because now we're walking with the father and son comes forth do you see what i'm saying do you hear what i'm saying the things that the father has for us there's, there's, there's things that the Father wants to see fulfilled in our lives. We might call them callings or, or you know, areas where he's going to lead us to do things and situations. And some of us have, have seen that already. We've prophetically seen it. We've had a vision, perhaps a dream or a prophetic word. We have some insight 
to the direction which the Father is actually going to take us. Yeah, what I discovered is inheritance only goes to sons. Inheritance doesn't come to orphans. Inheritance comes to sons. I love the way Sweden works. Sweden, with, when, when somebody dies in Sweden, they're really quick with distributing the money very, very quickly, not compared to America or Britain. But in Sweden, they're on it straight away. And I know that because we've, we've actually experienced that in Sweden. But the inheritance comes to the sons. And so there's things in our lives, there's things that the Father has given us, shown us, led us into. We've had prophetic words or other things. And, and we're thinking, we, some of us have even tried to fulfill those things. And we, we felt the battle we, we felt the quarreling, the argument, the contention that's gone on with it. And other ones of us have just held back and waited and waited and waited. We're not sure yet. But let me tell you that when sun is revealed in us, when we discover what it is to be a son, the next thing we will realize is that all of a sudden that starts to open up for us with a minimal amount of contention. Because there's an authority and there's a favor upon us. We were in some meetings in New Zealand in 19, sorry, 2017. And in these meetings, we were prophesied over that doors are going to open. Doors that were once shut are going to open. Doors that have been opened before have been closed are going to be reopened and doors are going to open to the nations. And one of the nations that we, I was longing to get back to, I'd been into Pakistan on one occasion and preached to a huge gathering of people. And one of the nations that was really on my heart was the nation of Pakistan. I'd grown up as a child, gone to a school in an, a very high, densely, uh, a huge amount of immigrants in this one particular city that I lived, and a lot of Pakistanis, Indians, West Indians, and so being around people from um, third world cultures or developing cultures was just normal to me. And one nation that was on my heart was Pakistan. And I was thinking, God, when are you going to open Pakistan back up? Well, we travel from Auckland. After getting this prophetic word, the next day we travel from Auckland, New Zealand, to Sydney, Australia, because we're going to preach at the Catch the Fire Church in Sydney. Do you know the pastor? Lambert. Yes. Lambert. I preach for, is it Paul? No. Dan. Dan. Well, I met Dan in Sweden. I preached for Dan. Dan has a member of his church, his guy called Wilson. Whether you know it or not, Wilson is a Pakistani and he's planted a number of Catch the Fire congregations in Pakistan. Did you know that? Yeah. Well, we get picked up at Sydney Airport, which is in Sydney, because where the airport comes, the plane comes into. Yeah, some, you know, it says this is London Airport, but it's like 40 miles from London. It's like, what, why do you call it London Airport? And um, 
It's like Stockholm Airport. It's not in Stockholm. It's miles outside Stockholm, you know, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And um, we met this guy, Wilson. He picks us up, and he's a Pakistani, and we start to talk, talking and chatting. And, it, you know, it's just great being with him. And he says, he starts telling me a little bit about what they're doing in, in Pakistan, in Karachi and other places. And he says, greatest need in Pakistan is the Father's love. As soon as he said that, my ears just, you know, he's got my full attention. I'm, I'm, you know, all ADD isn't within 10 miles of me. I'm right with him. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've, he's got me. And um, we start talking. Well, I said, you know, I'll come and do an A school, the Father Heart A school, which basically is revealing this revelation of the Father's love. I'll come and do a school in Pakistan. I said, but first, we want you to come and do an A school. We had one in California a few months later. He came to California and did one. And said, now we've got to arrange for this school in Pakistan. And then we're starting to put together all the, all the figures, all the numbers. And normally, a missions trip with a school into a place like Ghana costs around $10,000, which is quite a sum of money because you've got to pay for participants, and that's for about 50 people taking part. In Pakistan, Wilson is talking about 80 to 100 people. So the figure, the figure is like $15,000. And we, we live by faith. We trust God. We trust God for everything. We believe him. We trust him. And um, I said, okay, we'll do it. And so we were, were at this one school and this one school, we did one offering with about 30 people, and we had one offering of $9,000, and that was all towards Pakistan. And we, I suddenly realized, I suddenly realized what was happening, that, that the fathers revealed something. We're starting to get a glimpse and an understanding of his timing. We're walking as son, son is being revealed, and we're stepping into something. And let me tell you, you might ask, how many times did I pray for that amount of money? I can tell you, probably, I, I probably played, prayed under five times. And it wasn't huge, loud, long prayer closet intercessions, screams of mercy to God. It was, God, we, we need this money for Pakistan, sort of thing. And all of a sudden, kabam, the money was there. The next year, we said, let's, let's go and do it again. Well, the next time, of course, we had 80 people on the first school. Wilson said, let's have 100 people. We need 100 people. And we had these, these what they call um, cousins coming that were converted Muslims, and they were really getting impacted by the, by the love of God. And they had been pulled out of their own homes and families because of dangers to their own lives. Their lives were in danger. And so this second school, we had 108 people. And be, and. We, we, we get to Pakistan, we get there, we've seen all the money, pretty much all the money come in, and this time it was, it was it, I think it was about 17,000 that we needed. And he said, no, now because all these people have come, we need more money. And I'm at the hotel in the city where we're doing the school, and he says, we need another $2,000. And I said, I was thinking, they think money just falls off a tree or something. It's like, we're just, it's just going to come from anywhere. And I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking, I'm not worried about it. 
I'm really not worried about it. And I have no idea how that happened. I, I remember going to bed that night up in, the, up in the mountains in Pakistan, putting my computer down, going to bed, waking up next morning, opening up my computer, and there's been a PayPal donation for $2,000 from someone I have no idea where it came from. I said to Wilson, it's okay, we have money, let's have them on school, no problem. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Now we're doing a school again. We're doing a school again, coming up in a few weeks' time, and we've pretty got, we've needed to raise over, over $18,000, and we've pretty much seen all of it come in. It's just amazing how the Father supplied it. I have no idea how we're going to get there, which airlines, which direction, but we, we're going to get there. And we're going to do it, and we're going to have a good time. But my point of the story is this, is that when the Father has shown us something, when the Father has revealed something to us, obviously there is a timing criteria, isn't there? There's a timing to it. When, when do we... And sometimes what I'm discovering now is far better just to sit and wait and watch and see what the Father does. Because then that door opens. You know, he speaks through Son, or as Son, as that door opens, that, that sense of battling and quarreling and fighting is not going to be there. But let me tell you, many, many times, many, 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 many times, I've gone right in that battle, fighting, 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 fighting. And just all it is is pain, stress, anxiety, fear. A lot of the spiritual warfare we do, we're just doing it from a place of fear and anxiety. We're actually afraid of the devil. We're scared of him. And we've got no real concept of the love of God and the love of the Father. And therefore, all that's coming forth in our prayers is anxiety and worry and concern. Wow. Wow. The Father's bringing us, He's not only giving us a revelation of Himself, but He's giving us a revelation of sonship as well. And in that place of sonship, in that place of sonship, He's showing us or what his authority is really like. Because his authority is based upon relationship. It's based upon relationship. It's based upon our experience of his love and us living out of that love is the basis for us living and walking as a son in a place of authority. 
Wow. Wow. You see, we can't, we can't strive to get loved. Christianity is about receiving. When I eat, I, you know, I got to Mark's house, and as soon as I walked through the door, I realized he was so kind, I could smell the curry. It would, he gave us curry tonight. We're thankful for the curry. Okay? And what I did when I got to the table, I, we, I thanked him for the food and we put the rice and the curry and the vegetables on the plate and we ate it. We received it. We chewed it. The, the, meat, the meat was so, the chicken was so well cooked, it just fell off the bone. It was great. And we just swallowed it. We received it. The kingdom, when it comes to his love, his presence, it's not about us getting, it's about us receiving. Receiving. And knowing how to receive. The first time I said, I love you to Gunilla. I know in Sweden you don't say the Swedish term Jagelskade, you don't say that as commonly as we say it within our culture. If you're going to say that term, you've really got to mean it. Is that true? It's very serious. So you don't play with that word, that statement. You might say I like you, which is more like our love, but you don't say I love you. Well, I remember the very first time I said to Gunilla, I realized she told me this. So I, I, was, I was kind of preparing myself. I thought, I'm not going to say these words, I love you, until I was willing to say, will you marry me? Because they're emotive words, aren't they? They're strong words. They have gravity, strong authority and gravity to them. So when I said to Gunilla, I remember saying it to her in a car. And I said to her, looked at her, it was one of those special moments. Oh, I said to her, I love you. And I could see, she didn't answer straight away. It was like she, she heard the word and she embraced the word. She, it wasn't just listening to what I said. She heard what I said and she received what I said, and there was a pause. It one of those moments when it's like a pregnant pause. What is she going to say? But I realized that the, you know, it was, it was a very special moment. And then she said back to me, "I love you too, Andy." And of course, oh, wow. And you, I listen to it, I hear it, and it goes in. It goes in to the heart. It goes into the very core of your being. You. You feel that. You know that word has got gravity to it. Well, it's the same in our relationship with God. That when we hear that word, when we experience that and encounter that, 
and are able to drink that in and receive that, that becomes the basis of the authority that we have as a son. That's there, that, you know, it's, it's where sonship starts to get developed in our hearts and in our lives. And that's happening with you guys. It's happening with all of us. And some of that contention and fighting and struggle and quarreling is going to come to an end because we're going to discover what it is to just walk in as son and just see the favor of God just come to us, be manifest to us, and not be afraid. Because now we're walking as a son in the same way Jesus walked as a son. Isn't that amazing? We're walking as Jesus walked. Let's put our hands on our heart, shall we? Mm. Wow. So, Father, I feel vulnerable and a little bit, a little kind of nervous sharing this tonight. But I know it's something that you're developing in my heart and in all our hearts and lives. Son, what it is to be son. And I ask you, Father, that that revelation of who you are will grow. But it will forge us into sonship as it's defined in your life. And son will be revealed. That the struggle, the battle, will kind of come to an end. And we'll know and we'll experience the favor of God in us like we've never known or understood before. So, Father, do it in our hearts. Thank you, Father, for your love and glory just on us. I just see your, your love over this room in the atmosphere, Father. It's so easy to share here, Father. It's not a, you don't have to fight, but you're in this place. You're here. And just, Father, do it in our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mr. Berlinson. Wow. I'm going to suggest that you take care to let that settle <laughs> before you jump into conversation. <laughs> Just let that impartation, it's much more than a revelation, although it is a revelation. But what Andy's just done is to demonstrate what he's just been talking about. He's opened his heart <laughs> and we have benefited. <laughs> There's been an impartation of sonship through a son. <laughs> and so I invite you just to let that settle in your spirit, in your heart, in your life.
and I know that Andy and Ganilla are not rushing off anywhere if you'd like them to just I was going to say seal <laughs> there's that sense of agreeing when God puts something in you and somebody else who's helped to put it there says yes I agree it's like it goes <laughs> and clicks it in it, it's, it seals it so you may want to ask them to, to agree with you or you may have somebody close to you you just want to agree with but let it settle, let it rest and then we'll look forward together to what the Father wants to do in the morning as well and it may be that there's somebody you want to text or call or whatever and make sure they do get here tomorrow we don't want anybody to miss what God wants to do in our midst tomorrow and so encourage one another to be with us at 10.30 and he'll be speaking again and uh, we are honoured to be immersed in this flow so let what God has imparted to you settle ask God to seal it and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning